Hello, thanks for tuning in to the West Side Podcast. This is where we're going to be posting some of the audio from our gatherings on Sundays, and we're hoping to develop some other content that we're excited to share with you in the future. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus, step by step. And we really hope that this podcast helps you do just that. We hope it helps you get closer to Jesus. We hope that you would be reconciled to God and not only that, be reconciled to the relationships around you and to the city that you live in, wherever that happens to be. Again, thanks for tuning in and enjoy. I'm glad it's fall. Is anybody else glad that it's fall, that it's come? Anybody excited about fall? For some people, this is like their favorite, their favorite uh, time of the year, you know? For me, all my best clothes are my fall clothes. Anybody? Anybody? Right? Yeah, you can p- finally bust out those fall clothes. Um, and, you know, football's going on, and that's always fun. Did you see the Alabama game yesterday? That was so exciting. But one thing I've got to warn us all about is, is, is we just all need to cool it with the pumpkin spice, okay? We just need to cool it with the pumpkin Because pumpkin is delicious in some things, but not delicious in other things. And this is the time of year where people just try putting pumpkin in everything. And I just feel like the Lord wants to rebuke us tonight a little bit. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just here. I'm just like, I'm just a messenger, you know. Cool it with the pumpkin spice this, this fall, all right? I want to share with you a completely fake story, all right, a completely fake story that was circulating around Facebook about a year ago um, that a lot of people believed, okay? It was found out to be fake, but this is exactly how it read in the Facebook story. I'll read it to you. Um, It says, a married couple in Florida, Tito and Amanda Watts, were arrested a few days ago for selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people. They sold the tickets on the street for $99.99 per ticket. And they told buyers the tickets were made from solid gold and that each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. And so you simply present the ticket at the pearly gates and you're in. Tito Watts said in his police statement, I don't care what the police say, the tickets are solid gold. And it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC and said to sell them and so I could get me some money to go to outer space. I met an alien named Stevie who said that if I got the cash together, he'd take me and my wife on his flying saucer to his planet that's made entirely of drugs. The police said that they confiscated over $10,000 in cash, drug paraphernalia, and a baby alligator. So this, this story went viral and like people were like, oh my gosh, can you believe this crazy story? And, uh, and it turns out, you know, it was, complete, it was completely false. But people, I still have some questions. Um, my questions are this. Number one, with stories like this, why are these stories always about people in Florida? First of all, all right? It's always people in Florida. And then number two, why do they always end with a baby alligator? Now to, be, now, to be honest and to be real, you know, when I first read this story, I didn't believe it. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I've seen some people around Eugene that I would totally believe that they would try to sell tickets to heaven, right? Um, but a lot of people believe this story. Let me tell you another story that happened. Um, it was late 2017 on an obscure internet message board where an anonymous person calling themselves Q claimed that they were a government official and claimed that Donald Trump was secretly battling Satan-worshipping Democrats led by Hillary Clinton who were running a human trafficking operation. 
And this movement became known as QAnon. And by 2020, in a poll by NPR, 17% of Americans believed that it was true. And many of the people that were storming the Capitol on, on January 6th, many of them were, they were QAnon believers. You've probably heard of QAnon. You're like, wait, that's what it was about? Um, I'm not here to offend anyone. I, and I'm not even here to play, to, to talk about politics um, at all, because that's not what I do. But I want to talk about maturity. I want to talk about maturity. Because in this section of Colossians, Paul is talking to this church in, in, in Colossae. And he's encouraging them. And what's happening in this church, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we kind of set up this whole, this whole um, book of the New Testament, this letter that Paul writes, is that one of the problems that was happening is that people, you know, they had Jesus, they had the message of the gospel, that Jesus was enough, that Jesus reconciled them to God. And that all they had to do was put their faith and trust in Jesus and trust him and obey him and follow him. And, and that was enough. But other people were starting to come into their midst and started to tell them false stories. That people were coming in saying, oh, no, Jesus is great. But also, I had an encounter with an angel. And here's what the angel told me. And you, we need to do this. We need to worship angels. And other people said, oh, no, Jesus is great. But Jesus isn't enough. You have to follow these rules. We have to be more Jewish. We have to go back to, we have to do all the Jewish things and all the Jewish rituals if God's going to love us and accept us. And people, other people came in and said, oh, I have special wisdom. I have special knowledge. I've been to the third heaven. I, you know, God spoke to me and here's what he said. And so here's what we should do. And the church was wrestling because they were, what, what do we believe? And is this true? And this true? And people were being led astray where suddenly now Jesus wasn't enough. And Paul hears about this. And so he has to write them a letter. And he says, hey, think about this. Think about this. And he's calling them. He's calling them out of immaturity into maturity. He's encouraging them to be mature. And we have a crisis of maturity in our culture today. We do. This week, I was just like looking at, I was reading a bunch of articles. I was, I was looking, I was just like, what, 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 is, what are people saying about, about like where maturity is at in our culture at large? And there's a bunch of different articles. One was called the infantilization of Western culture. Um, the infantilization of Western culture. I love this one because it's just like a grown man with facial hair with a binky in his mouth, you know? Um, but that article is just talking about how just like just our culture just is, is kind of instead of moving towards maturity, we're moving away. There's another article, um, I think, from the New York Times called The Death of Adulthood in American Culture. Talking about the same thing, just wrestling with these same ideas. Um, it's probably not news to you that um, and because I've talked about this before, but, you know, throughout human history, people went through two stages in life for the most part. You went from childhood to adulthood childhood to adulthood. And usually in every tribe, you go to any culture, there's usually like an initiation, right? Somewhere in those years, some cultures it's 13, some cultures it's 18, other cultures it's in the middle. But usually there would be an initiation ceremony, like initiation, right? And, and, and oftentimes it would be a dangerous thing. You might even come back with a scar or two. But when you walk back into that village, when you walk back into your tribe, into your people group, you are now an adult. Now you're given your your trade and it's like now it's now it's time to work now it's time to contribute that's how things have been for for ever since the beginning but about 200 years ago we introduced a new season of life called adolescence never existed before ever 
And so now we live in this culture, and I'm sure you've heard of this, of extended adolescence. Have you heard about this? So now maybe when, you know, adolescence was just several years, it's kind of like those teenage years, now extended adolescence. You know, at, at what point do we know that you're an adult? Is it when you're 18 and you can vote? Is it when you're 21 and you can purchase alcohol? Is it when you're 16 when you can drive? Is it when you buy your first house? Is it when you get married? Is it when you get your first career job? Is it when you get married? Is it when you, is it, is it when you get your, your, your first sports car? Is it when you buy your first house? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Our culture doesn't know how to tell us. Because, and so because of that extended adolescence, so the average age, the, the average gamer in our world today is a 35-year-old man in a basement. Um, there's even, even the whole world of, like, of, of, of teen fiction, you know, like teen fiction is like this, this sticky area that people are talking about because the average reader of teen fiction novels is 40 years old. That's the average age reader. And so people who write teen fiction, they're wrestling because they're thinking, who am I writing this for? Am I writing it for teens or am I writing it for 40-year-olds? And those are tricky, tricky things. But the point is, is that we are in a culture that we just don't know what, it, what, it, what does maturity mean? Who, who can tell us? And so there's, therefore, there's a lot of immaturity. And... We don't have the language to be able to diagnose it often. And so here's where it comes kind of home to us is because there can be often a lot of immaturity in the church. And this in some ways is more devastating than, than outside the church because when people are, are emotionally and spiritually immature in the church, the problem sometimes is that people in church say they're mature or think they're mature, but really but really they are marked with a profound sense of immaturity. And when people encounter Christians who say and, pre and, and, and present themselves as being mature followers, disciples of Jesus, but act and, and interact with others in immature ways, it could, be, it could be devastating. In fact, one of the reasons why you maybe push back on church for a season of your life. Maybe one of the reasons why you're here and inside you're, you're, you've got your arms crossed because you know, somebody dragged you here and you're like, you don't wanna be here. Because maybe you got hurt in the past. But I guarantee if it wasn't you, it was, you've got friends who would never come here because they've been hurt. And do you know probably what they encountered? It's not that they encountered like the gospel and that was the thing that pushed them away. It wasn't that they encountered Jesus and they said, no, I don't want Jesus. It's probably because they encountered some Christians that were spiritually immature and they had an experience that just that pushed them away. And so this topic that Paul is addressing to the church in Colossae is so important for us to grasp today. So in the passage that I'm going to read, Paul talks about maturity. He's going to give us some clues as to what maturity it is, what maturity is. Before I read it, um, here's a couple things that I'm sure you know, but it's important for us to mention. First of all, maturity isn't perfection. Sometimes when we think of maturity, we think perfection. Oh, I'm supposed to be perfect. No, no, that's not the measure for maturity. None of us are perfect and none of us are ever going to be perfect. But still, God calls us into maturity. Number two is maturity isn't age. It's not about age. Because you've met some older folks who are still very immature. Amen? And you've probably met some young people who, wow, 
there's like this maturity there. You know, Paul was talking to Timothy, who's leading this church, and Timothy was a young man. And Paul says, hey, don't let others look down on you because you're young. Instead, I want you to, I want you to lead with maturity. So maturity isn't age. That's not the metric. Maturity isn't what you know, and it's good to know things. But maturity isn't what you know, because we've all met people who know a lot, and, and they're not pleasant to be around, you know? There's this immaturity there. So it's not about how much you know. It's not about perfection. It's not about age. And maturity isn't necessarily a destination. Like it isn't necessarily like, oh, I have finally reached maturity. I am mature now. No, like maturity is this process. It's a lifelong process. This is what Paul's talking about. I'm gonna read it to you, warning you. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture tonight. I hope that's okay. We're in church, all right? Come on, let's bring it. This is what the scripture says. Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, he says this. I'm starting in chapter 1, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Guys, we're gonna come back next week to that verse because that is worth a whole sermon right there. You do not wanna miss next week. I'm excited to preach next week, that part right there. But moving on, he says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill up my flesh what is what is still I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. We're gonna come back to that. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul says, here's one of my big goals. Here's like where all this energy is coming from. I want to present you fully mature in Christ. And then he goes on. I want you to know, this is chapter two. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice what he's doing here. He says like, hey, the, the true wisdom isn't like this person has this special kind of wisdom and this person talked with some angel somewhere, you know, this person, like he says, no, 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 that's, that's not where the source of wisdom is. The source of wisdom is Christ. He is enough. And then he goes on. 
I tell you this, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I am absent with you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Okay, there's a lot there. Uh, Four things. First, the signs of maturity or immaturity, rather. The plan, the clues, and the cost, okay? Those are the four things. First, the signs, hallmarks of spiritual immaturity. Sometimes to be able to define maturity, you have to define what it isn't. And unfortunately, sometimes some of the things I'm going to list here are things in some circles have been like championed as Christian maturity, but actually it's not. It's immaturity. There's a couple things. Number one, um, first, immaturity believes anything it hears. Immaturity believes anything it hears. In verse 9, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Um, I've got four kids and, um, you know, I, uh, they, they will pretty much believe anything that I say. Um, although my oldest back there, um, you know, he, <laughs> he, um, you know, he's 12 now. So, you know, there, I can't trick him like I could in the past, you know, like if, like if you're eating ice cream and the kids are like, I want some. And you're like, oh, sorry, this is spicy. This is spicy. Um, you know, you, you've used that trick before. Come on. Um, but to like uh, when my kids were little, and I've got two little ones now, I love to do magic tricks with them. And, uh, and if you've ever done magic tricks with kids, in fact, uh, Connie, will you ha- I have that Kleenex right there. Will you hand me that Kleenex? I meant to, yeah, right there. Yeah, the, yes, I'm sure. I promise. There's, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not bringing you on stage. I just need you to hand me the Kleenex is all I need. And it's a clean Kleenex. Um, so when I, when I do, uh, you know, Magic tricks with my kids. Um, yeah, you've done this before because this is amazing because you can be like the best magician in the world with little kids, right? Amen. Have you done this before? You're like, all right, watch. Check it out. You know, I'm going to lie. One, two, and whew. You see that? And the, what do the kids do? Ooh, ah. Now, if you try that with a teenager, no, right? They're going to just laugh at you and then mock you, right? But with a kid, a kid will believe it. And what Paul is trying to encourage these, these Colossians is, hey, don't, don't believe everything you hear. Somebody comes in and says, oh, the Lord said this. Well, there's another part where Paul says, no, you got to test the spirits. You don't just believe someone just because they said, oh, I had a dream and here's what you should do. Or, oh, I talked to an angel and here's, you know, what they say. So Paul says, hey, be really careful because there's all sorts of messages. There's all sorts of things. A child will believe everything they hear, but Paul says, no, no, no. I want to grow us in maturity. I want us to grow um, and, uh, and, and not listen to everything, not, not, not take in everything and just believe that it's true. In Ephesians, he says something similar. Let me read it to you. It's Ephesians chapter four. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever that they sound like the truth. Immaturity believes everything it hears. Um, Number two, immaturity has lots of knowledge, but lacks character. Immaturity has lots of knowledge, but lacks character. 
There's this phrase that people have said, and you've probably heard it before, but it's that people don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. Have you heard that before? People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And sometimes people with a lot of knowledge try to impress you with knowledge, like, like, that's, like that's wisdom. But a lot of times what that is is just puffing up. It's just trying to impress. And it's actually, it's actually not mature. It's immature. Knowledge with character. Now that, now that God can use. But knowledge without character, that can destroy. Next, immaturity has little patience for immaturity. Have you noticed this? Immaturity has little patience with immaturity. Meaning, well, I've got kids, and like I said, they leave a mess everywhere they go. And I know I could get better at this. But, um, but you know, like, it's part of it, it bugs me. You know, like, oh, I've got to clean this up. But part of it, you know what? They're kids, you know? You've got to let kids be kids sometimes. Um, well, all the time, because they're kids. You try to push a kid to be an adult, like, that's not going to work because they're not an adult. They're a kid. Likewise, in church, there's a lot of people who are, they're new. They're just coming to, they're just getting to know Jesus. And so like, there's going to be a lot of things kind of in their life that isn't quite worked out quite yet. And you know what? That's a part, that's, that's a part of the process. Remember, one of our goals at Westside is we want to be a church that, uh, that where we, we reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus. What? Step by step. Because everybody's on a different step. And unfortunately, sometimes in churches, immature Christians work against that. Because you've got somebody in the church and maybe they've got some stuff going on in their life. Or maybe they don't quite know their Bible yet or, you know, whatever. And there's Christians that look down their nose at them and say, man, why don't you have it all together? Come on, you need to do this. Just come on. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And it pushes people away who are in this beautiful process of being changed and transformed. Just like people in your life gave you space to be changed and transformed. Immaturity doesn't know what to do with immaturity. Maturity, however, is okay being around immaturity. Um, Another one is immaturity considers itself mature, which is often a major sign of immaturity. Have you noticed this? When was the time in your life where you were most certain about your maturity? When was the time in your life where you were most certain about your own maturity? What, 15? 16, 17, 14, when was it? See, you know what it's like. It's like, hey, I'm 16. I am so mature. Nobody knows like I know. And isn't it interesting that usually when, usually when you are most certain of your amazing maturity, that actually is perhaps a sign of your immaturity. That's a sign that, man, I need to grow. Um, this is what Paul says in the book of Philippians. He says, now that, now that I have already obtained all this, or not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love this. This is Paul. I mean, this is Paul. This is the apostle Paul. And Paul, out of anybody, could have said, like, I have arrived. I am the Paul, the Apostle Paul. In fact, you can call me the Apostle. And I have so arrived at maturity. Paul could have done that. But you know what Paul says? It's actually a sign of maturity when you can say, man, I have some growing to do. Man, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm going to press on. So those are just some signs. What's the plan? Because... You ha- if you're going to be mature, spiritually mature, you have to 
have a plan because you do not haphazardly arrive to spiritual maturity. You just don't. Nobody haphazardly arrives. Nobody says, wakes up one morning and says, by golly, I am spiritually mature. I have made it. I have arrived. Nobody does that because that, that's not how it works. Is, is, it's a process. It's a, it's a process. And just like anything else in your life, just like all other air arenas, see, you, if you're trying to lose weight, you, that isn't going to just happen by you doing nothing. Amen? Um, if you're trying to get better at basketball, that is not going to get better by you playing a video game of basketball on the couch. It's just not how it works. If you want to get better at your job and in your industry, if you want your business to grow, you don't just wake up one morning and be like, by golly, my business is exceeding. How did that happen? No. I mean, there's all sorts of other areas in our lives where if we want to get in shape, well, then we go and we do Orange Theory or we go and do CrossFit or we go and do a spin class or, you know, we go into the gym and you do whatever. Because everybody knows that if you want to make headway in any of those significant areas in life, then you've got to have a plan. That means that you got to be intentional. you got to be disciplined. you got to be focused. And how come we often don't take our spiritual maturity as seriously as we do other things in our life? For whatever reason, we think, man, I could just go to church once a month and I'll be so mature eventually. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't even work just coming to church every Sunday. It's, there's more than that. It's... There's got to be a plan. There's got to be a process. I'm encouraging us, just like you approach other things in your life, what if you took that same, that same effort and you flow, made it flow towards how am I going to grow in my maturity in Christ? Christ formed in me. Because isn't that the basis of what maturity is? Christian maturity is this. It's not age. It's not perfection. It's not, it's not, uh, it's, you know, it's not knowing everything. Christian maturity is this, is... Christ's character being formed in us. Christ's character just continually being formed and shaped us so that more and more and more we are looking more and more like Christ. More and more you're becoming more kind. More and more you're becoming more, more, more full of truth and full of grace, just like Jesus was. That's the hallmark of Christian maturity. Um, Hey, listen, I, I, I got more here, I, but I, I want us to respond. I, I was really my heart for tonight. Um, so, Coral, I'm just going to skip a few things because I, I want to get to my, my kind of my main second point. One of, the, one of the clues in this passage is that spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity is connected to the scriptures, okay? You can't divorce spiritual maturity from the scriptures. It is one of the great lies in our world today that you can be spiritually mature, but don't have to interact or don't have to love and don't have to come to the scriptures with a humble heart, ready to obey, ready to trust, ready to learn. That's a, it's a big lie that our culture, that, that even Christian culture wants you to believe. You can't, be, you can't be spiritually mature without coming to the scriptures humbly, ready for it to teach you. So that's I can't spend time on that, but I want to get to the second part, which is spiritual maturity is connected to being filled with the Spirit. Spiritual maturity is connected to being filled with the Spirit. It's connected to the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.27 says this, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's this mystery? What's this incredible thing? Paul says, here's what it is. 
It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, The only way we're going to be spiritually mature is if we invite the Holy Spirit to come fill our hearts and fill our lives. You know one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit? It's to make you look more like Jesus. That is what maturity means. Here's what I got to say. Sometimes in Pentecostal churches, we're a Pentecostal church. Did you know that? We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the spiritual gifts. We believe in speaking in tongues. I don't have time to unpack that for you tonight, all right? We believe in, we believe in and there's all sorts of other spiritual gifts. Unfortunately, in Pentecostal churches, what happens sometimes is if somebody speaks out with, in, in tongues, then it's, it's like that, that's the most mature person. That's the mature person in the room. If somebody has a special gift of this or that and they're kind of like kind of like in the context of a church service, like speaking out or having some sort of like proclamation or you know, some sort of word of knowledge that everyone kind of, sometimes they sit back and they're like, oh my gosh, there they are. They're a very mature Christian. They're varsity. We need, I'm junior varsity, but they're varsity. And unfortunately, that is absolutely not the case. It's not the case all the time. Because somebody that has a gift needs to have the discernment to know how to use the gift, how to leverage the gift. That takes wisdom, that takes discernment, that takes maturity. And unfortunately, sometimes people without maturity just kind of like dive out there and think that they're so mature because they're doing kind of all this outward stuff. I just, got, I just want you to know one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit, one of the main things that God wants to do in you is he wants the Spirit to fill you. What? So that you can like do some like cool Holy Spirit stuff in a service time? Uh, not necessarily. That's, that's a very narrow view of what the Holy Spirit does and is supposed to do in your life. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, then you ask the Spirit to come and fill your heart, fill your life, and he's going to give you the power to be able to grow in your Christ-likeness, to grow into maturity. You can't be spiritually mature without the Scriptures, and you can't be spiritually mature without the Holy Spirit filling your life day by day. The Jewish people always had a vision that God was going to come, that the Messiah was going to come and rule. And they thought that he was going to come and rule from Jerusalem from a throne. And nobody could have ever imagined or conceived that God was going to come and he was going to rule, except he chose to come and rule from our hearts, from your very heart. He didn't want to just come and be with us. That's, that's Christmas and that's the incarnation. And people, it's coming. We're going to go there for Advent. But what I'm talking about is even one step, even past Christmas. This is not just God with us. This is God in us, in us. And so I just want us to respond. So band, come back up. Um, And uh, here's here's just how I want to close is maybe, um, I don't know what the barrier is for you. I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't don't know what it it might be because I don't know everybody's story here. But I wanted to take a, a, just some time at the end of our time here to just open up the floor for a couple things. Prayer team, if you guys can come up, whoever's praying with people, you can come over here to the sign over here that says prayer. We've got communion set up. I'll kind of direct us to do that in a second. But um, I don't know. I feel, like, 
I feel like there's a couple, maybe you're here in the room and maybe one of the, the roadblocks for you to just growing in your spiritual maturity is that you already believe that you're mature. So maybe there's like an area of pride in there that needs to just, that needs to get softened tonight. Maybe just like, there just needs to be a moment where like, wow, I, I kind of am walking around kind of believing that I've, I've arrived and I've got there and Lord, will you like, will you kind of break that up in me tonight? Will you help me with that? Maybe that's the roadblock. Um, maybe for you, 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 you wanna grow in your spiritual maturity, but you, you've just been distracted. You've just been distracted. That's been your thing, you know? You've thought, man, I really wanna grow in my spiritual maturity, but man, Netflix keep, keeps putting out some really awesome shows. And then Hulu keeps putting out good ones and Apple Plus does too. And Paramount Plus now is doing it and, and Disney Plus, my gosh, you know, like I just, I was gonna get to that, but there's just so many things, you know, that are just taking my attention. And so maybe you're just, the thing is, is you've just been distracted. And that same energy that you put into your health, that same energy that you put into your diet, that same energy that you put into your job, that we, you know, whatever that is, maybe you just need a moment tonight to just say, Lord, I, will you help Will you help me get, will you give me some focus, some renewed focus so that I can take the growth of my spiritual maturity seriously, that you are being formed in me? God, what does that look like? That's a great question to ask. Maybe your thing isn't that you've been distracted. Maybe it's you've been disobedient. Maybe it's disobedience that's kept you away. You just think that I can do all this over here and then just give God lip service over here and everything will work out fine. And let me just tell you, it won't work out fine. It's gonna catch up with you. You're not gonna grow. You're gonna be divided. It's gonna be exhausting. So don't do it. Tonight, just let this be your, be your night. This is the night where you hoped that you skipped right now is because you're like, ah, oh, that's me, that's me. I've just been disobedient. And the Lord just wants to bring you back. Not because he wants to rub it in your face, but because he loves you. He loves you. He just doesn't want you to go down that road because he knows where it leads. And so maybe a step is just you saying, you're just moving away from some of your disobedience into obedience to the Lord. I don't know. Maybe you don't know what your step is, but all you can do is just say, Lord, help me grow. Help me grow. Lord, will you show me where that is? So I want to create space to do that. And so a couple things. We're going to sing. There's a couple things you can do while we sing. One is in the front here, there's communion. This is an ancient, ancient meal that God's people has come to because it's, it's not just a meal, it's like rich with meaning. And we really believe that it's mystical in a way that the spirit meets us here. There's the juice that represents Christ's blood and then the little cracker that represents Christ's body. And we just take it and we say, and it's like this proclamation, Lord, come, I want you in me. I don't wanna just talk about you. I don't wanna just, I just don't wanna like just know things about you. I want you want you. Communion is one of those things that just gives legs to that. Um, If you need prayer for anything, then Abby's over here. And let me tell you, this is is the highlight of her week (laughs) to pray for you. This is the highlight of her week. She would love to pray with you. And so would you have the courage, even just as the music's playing, just to like, hey, I need prayer. Maybe just at your seat, maybe you just need to say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Or maybe you need to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I don't even know if I've got the Holy Spirit in me, but Holy Spirit, come. Love to, the Holy, we'd love to pray with you. And we just, we just, it's this moment where lives really can be changed in these moments where you say, Holy Spirit, come, just fill me. 
I just feel powerless to grow. I feel like I'm just at an impasse. I don't know what to do. Fill me. So however we need to respond, can we do that tonight? Maybe you need to lean over to somebody that you came with and would you say, hey, I just, can you pray with me? I'd love to pray with you. I don't know. I don't know what you need to do, but could we do it tonight? Father, um, we just want to respond um, because you want us to be mature. And our, our culture doesn't help us much with this. And so, Lord, I pray that we would come to you, the source of all knowledge, of all wisdom, of all joy, of all love, of all peace. Lord, and that you would fill us and that you would cause your spirit to be formed in us and that it would come bubbling out of our lives as this, as this living water that would move us step by step towards maturity. Lord, we pray that that would happen just as we respond to you. Would you meet us here in these moments, just as we're expectant, as just as we have our hands open, we're just ready for whatever, whatever you want to deposit in us. Um, help us do it. Meet us here in Jesus' name. Amen.